I grew up in uh, northern Ontario in a very small little town. Your town here is larger than what uh, the town is that I grew up in, in northern Ontario. But it was a mission effort that was started that my parents got involved in right at the very onstart. They were one of the founding families. And so I knew what it was like to to come into a new community and just uh, there was uh, four or five families that had started the uh, work there. And I considered it a, as I look back, I look back at it as, as a real blessing to be involved in that work. It just gave me a completely different worldview, I guess, maybe so to speak, being involved in that kind of a mission effort. And my desire for for you as a congregation as we gather together this week is just to simply be of an encouragement to you. As you, you carry a, a great responsibility. You, we do all, every Christian carries a great responsibility. But as I think of, of uh, the responsibility that lays on your shoulders as you come into a new community, I remember Danny talking about the, the prospects of, of moving here, scouting out a, a new area, and then uh, deciding to come here to council. And it's, it's a new work for you. And when you came into this community, a lot of people probably didn't know a lot about the Mennonites. But uh, I just simply want to be an encouragement to you as you are the light to the community. And you gather together here time and time again to be encouraged and strengthened and, and uh, blessed to go back out then and, and uh, spread the gospel then to the community around about us and, and simply let your light shine. And so that's my desire, for you to be able to just be encouraged and strengthened again from the word and that you can go forth then and be, be blessed and refueled, recharged to spread the gospel to those around about you. I'd like you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 55. I'm not sure if you want to know more about uh, our family or not, but maybe you'll find out more as we go through the, uh, through the week. I'm not one that likes to talk a whole lot about myself, and so uh, you'll find out more as we go through it the week. But I'd like you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 55, and I have a question for you. Is What is God's desire for mankind? What is God's desire for mankind? And I realize that we could probably come up with various different answers for that, and they would all come down to the, to the uh, same theme. I'm convinced about that, but might, might be different ways of answering that question, but with the same truth. But I'd like to simply find the answer in verses 6 and 7 of Isaiah chapter 55. It says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our our God, for he will abundantly pardon. I look at the last phrase of this verse, 7, and it says, For he will abundantly pardon. That is God's desire for all of mankind, that they would all be abundantly pardoned. Why do we need pardon? Why do I need pardon? Because there was a time in my life when I was found guilty. I was found guilty. 
And you say, oh, really, Kevin? Uh, like, you were guilty? Guilty of what? That's, that's not a good place to find yourself. Really? You were, you were guilty of, of some crimes that you had committed? Yeah, guilty of some crimes that I had committed. And I needed to be pardoned. So we all have a story to tell. And, you know, it seems that's, that's a phrase that has gone around more in the, in the last number of years. What's your story? You should tell your story. That's, it's important for you to tell your story. Well, we've got a story to tell. We've got a story to tell to the whole world. Um, there was just this song that was going through my mind as we were traveling here today, and I don't know if I have it all straight anymore, but you remember that song that says, Into a tent where a gypsy boy lay, dying alone at the close of the day. News of salvation was carried, said he. Nobody ever had told it to me. And then the chorus goes, tell it again, tell it again. Salvation story, repeat or and or. Till none can say of the children of men, nobody ever has told it before, told it to me. See, what happens in, this, in, our, in our Christian circles, it becomes norm. Do you get excited that there was a time in your life that you were guilty and you've been pardoned? And you, 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 you were given that, that freedom. You were pardoned. You're set, you, were, you were set free to go. And do you enjoy telling other people about that experience that you had in your life? And that, that, is, that, that opportunity is for everybody that you meet up with. You go out into the community and you talk to people and say, Did you know that you can be pardoned? And they say, Pardoned from what? Why do I need to be pardoned? And yeah, they'll know why they need to be pardoned. But let's tell the story again. Because we've been pardoned. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to come along and abundantly pardon everybody. See, back to the beginning of time, God created this world. And he created Adam and Eve. And Satan saw this whole scene unfold. Saw this all coming into place. And he saw the Garden of Eden that God had created for mankind... He saw that the bliss that they were in, he saw this beautiful situation that they were in, and he knew he had been rejected from that. He at one time had that privilege up in glory when he was in heaven with the angels, but the angels had given a choice whether or not they were going to be willing or wanted to serve God or not. And Satan rose up and he rebelled against God and God threw Satan and his angels out of heaven and rejected, they were rejected forever. And Satan comes along and says, he looked at this picture and says, I'm going to mess this thing up badly. I'm going to try to mess it up badly. Because Adam and Eve were given a choice as well. And he steps into there. You know the story. He steps into there and he convinces Eve to partake of this fruit that God had said you're not allowed to take it. And Eve partook of that fruit and she also gave it to her husband. And at that point then they were driven out of the Garden of Eden. From that time forward, every individual that was born, that is born on the face of this earth, that will be born on the face of this earth, is born with the nature of sin. Now there's this window, we're all aware of this window that, of time, that uh, we are innocent. But there becomes this awakening, and what happened is there, there was this awakening that took place in my life, and I found myself guilty. I found myself in an environment where there was, I was, I was in jail. Basically, as what it was comes down, I was in jail because I was guilty. And there's, as a, there's this barbed wire fence that was all around me. And there was no way to get out. You've seen these already. Um, these razor blade uh, fences. 
And you look at those razor blade fences and just looking at them can give the chills to you. And you're saying, there is no way anybody's ever going to get through that razor blade fencing without getting badly injured. And basically, there's just no possible way. And that's where we found ourselves, trapped in that kind of environment. Satan was convincing us that we have freedom, but we didn't have freedom. In our hearts, we were just simply... We were burdened with a, with a sin and weight on our lives and knowing that we were trapped. We were completely trapped. And then Jesus comes and he dies on the cross so that our sins can be washed away. He comes along and he creates a door in this barbed wire environment. He creates a door that you and I can walk through. And we can be abundantly pardoned. See, there's individuals in the, in, the, in the scriptures that we look at them and we say, wow, they, they, they needed pardon. Um, they, they were living in, in the depths of sin. You take the story of the, the demon-possessed man that they would come along and they would put heavier chains on him and heavier chains on trying to chain him down and he'd come along and he'd just rip those chains apart and he, he was just simply in the depths of sin is where he found himself. And Jesus comes along and he presents to himself, to this man, freedom. And this demon-possessed man that was living in the depths of sin so deep that we can't fully comprehend it, he comes along and he accepts the salvation of Jesus Christ and he was abundantly pardoned. It says he was clothed and he, when, people, when the neighbors came and seen him, when the community came and seen him, they, they would say he was sitting there clothed and in his right mind. Why? Because God had come along and he had abundantly pardoned this individual. You take the Apostle Paul, another man that was, was living in sin. It uh, says he was breathing within himself slaughter and he was just coming along and he was taking men and women and putting them in jail and, and uh, persecuting them for the cause of Christ. And when, G, when Paul met Jesus there, on the Damascus road, he just said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And Jesus simply came along and he gave him the way forward that he could be abundantly pardoned. He was, he was free from the sin weight that was hanging on top of him. You take the, 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 the uh, Peter. You know that story where Peter came, where Jesus came along and says, Peter, he says, like Peter just said, I, I'm never, never going to deny you, Jesus. There's no way I'm going to deny you. And Jesus says there's going to become a time when you are going to deny me three times and the cock is going to crow. And Peter says, no, no, I'm not going to deny you. But the time came when Peter came along and he denied Jesus. When you roll that through your mind, what all took place there, it... it, it boggles your mind but satan had stepped into 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 peter's life and says peter you don't you dare stand up for jesus christ in this situation if you do your neck is on the line as well and so peter just hung back in the shadows he wanted to be in the in, the, in that environment but he hung back in the shadows and when he was being questioned whether he was a part of of the uh, the, the christian faith with the jesus group he denied it and at the very last there, he comes along and he comes, he says, it says that uh, when someone asked him if he was also a part of the Jesus group, it says Peter cursed and he swore. And he walked out. And at that very time, the cock crew, and when the cock crowed, it says that Peter wept bitterly. And I look at those, though, that, that weeping, that, I look at that statement where Peter wept bitterly. 
And I just simply say those were tears of repentance. Where he just, it just, the remorse that came over him for what he had done, I believe, was just simply say, God, have mercy on me as a sinner. And he was abundantly pardoned and he was set free to go. Because after that, after you read about Peter after that, you see him as being a firebrand for God and sold out for Jesus Christ. And there was nothing that was stopping him anymore after that took place. And so I just look at that as a man that just simply came before God and says, Lord, I need cleansing. So the question can be asked, where do you find yourself this evening? What's your story? See, there came a time in my life when the weight of sin was hanging on over me, and I surrendered my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and I became abundantly pardoned. Do you need pardon? Do we all in this room here need pardon? Well, let's go back and take a look at this, these verses. In verse 7, it says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Who are the ones that need it? It is the ones that are, it says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. So how do we get saved? How do we become pardoned? How does that take place? I've shared this story before already, but it's a story that I just simply like to share for just to be able to share it. See, in order to become a Christian, in order for a person to be abundantly pardoned, it is so simple, and yet it is so hard to do. It is so difficult. And so I liken this story to, liken this, this path to become abundantly pardoned to it. I'd like to just simply paint you a picture of the, the Niagara Falls. And if you've been at the Niagara Falls, I'm, I can't remember how many thousands of gallons of water go over that falls per hour. It's a tremendous amount of water that goes over that falls. And your chances of going over that falls and uh, becoming, uh, arriving alive at, at the other end, I think, would be very, very slim. But let's just picture that you go up the stream, up the river, a couple miles, and there, there's going to be this nice sandy beach. And it's not like that, but there's this, this nice sandy beach. And on this, along, at, that, at this beach, you've got a lifeguard, you've got a lifeline, and you've got a life buoy. That's just simply the way it is there at the, at the beach. There's, there's these safety protocols. And you're this little child that is there just simply playing on the beach. And you're playing there with your beach toys and just simply enjoying life to the fullest. You're completely innocent of the fact that if you went out too far, if you would get caught into this stream and you would be taken down to the Niagara Falls where you would meet sure death. You're completely oblivious to that. You don't even know that that is taking place. You're just simply enjoying all the, the, the pleasures of a nice sandy beach and the sun is shining and everything is okay in your life. You remember those days, right? In your life when everything was okay. Two years old? No, you don't remember when you were two years old. But in, when you were two years old, everything was fine. Sure, maybe a two-year-old is making it look like it's not, but everything's fine. They're completely innocent. At the age of four, they're completely innocent. At the age of six, they're completely innocent. 
But at the age of six and then seven and eight and nine, now you're starting to hear about, you know, just be careful. There's this, there's this Niagara Falls that's down there that if you get out into those currents, it's going to take you down into endless destruction. And so then the awakening starts to take place. And as, you're, as you keep going out into, that, out into that water, as you're growing up, you keep going out, the water keeps getting deeper, and the toys that you were playing with keep changing. You're no longer playing with these little bathtub toys that you played with before, or these little beach toys. Now they're starting to change, and you're actually becoming more and more attracted to them. See, back when you were only two years old, or, or four years old, and somebody gave you a, what shall I call it? A four-wheeler, they wouldn't, you wouldn't have, big deal. At two years of age, you wouldn't have known what that is. Well, once you get to be 13, 14, now you start, these things become attractive. And the list goes on and on. Had you been given a smartphone at the age of four years old, you wouldn't know what to do with this thing. But it becomes more attractive. The older you get, that, that your, your attractions to things in this, in this world become different and they become meaningful to you and, and you want to hang on to these things. And it just keeps adding and adding and, and uh, you have friends that you start associating with and the list goes on and on. But you keep on going out and then there becomes a time in your life when there's an awareness that comes play in, in your life that you are guilty. You were born in sin, but now you are living in sin. You become aware that you're living in sin and you say, well, well, I haven't committed any wicked things. Like it says in verse 7, it says, let the wicked forsake his way. Oh, no, I haven't been wicked. See, we grew up in an environment where, where many of us grew up and we're, we're not wicked. But let's look at the next one. It says, and let... And the unrighteous man his thoughts. Oh, that means that if my thought life isn't correct, I'm guilty. And I'm going to stand before the judgment bar of God someday. And God is going to condemn me because of my thought life. Oh, now who can sit here and say that, oh, well, no, now I am guilty and I need to be pardoned. Now, there are some people that go so deep into sin that they have been living wicked lives. In a sense, we were all wicked. But we look at that word and say, well, no, I'm not, but I can't, I, I might come along and say, well, no, I haven't lived a wicked life, but I can't clear myself on the, unright- or the unrighteous man's thoughts. I can't clear myself on my thought life. Because that's just simply the way it is. But we get out far enough that we are fully aware now that we're living in a life of sin. And as I shared, there's this lifeguard, there's this lifeline, and there's this buoy. We're out so far now that we are in danger zone. And God looks at the situation, and he knows exactly when the timing is for him to start drawing us to himself. In... uh, John chapter 6, verse 44, we won't take the time to, to turn to it, but it says, No man can come to the Father except the Father, no man can come unto Jesus Christ except the Father draw him. So it is impossible for someone to come to Jesus Christ without the drawing of the Holy Spirit to God. So you can't come to a 
six-year-old and say, or let's, let's yeah, go to a six-year-old and say, you need to become a Christian. No, you leave that up to God to draw him to Christ. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit. And so what is happening is you have God there as the lifeguard. He's sitting there and he's observing the situation. His desire is that everyone is abundantly pardoned. That's his desire. And he looks down on the situation. And that is for all of mankind. Everyone finds himself... Your story is going to be different than my story, but every one of us need pardon. And God is looking down in the situation. And I know of individuals that you, you can't put an age into it. There's, it's impossible for you to do it. Yes, you come along and say, well, in this environment, uh, maybe it's working within these certain ages. But then in another environment, it's completely different. So you can't come along and put an age. We don't have a right to put an age on it. Even though we're, we're aware that at a certain time, that yes, there's an awakening that happens. But God knows precisely when that takes place. And for myself, uh, I can tell you my story when the awakening took, took place. I grew up in, a, in an environment where, where revival meetings were just simply a part of our, our life. But there's churches in our area where we've got people in our church that don't know anything about revival meetings and as, as uh, growing up. There was no revival meetings. There was never an altar call. There was no, none of that. There was never an invitation given at church. For them to accept Christ. But I, I grew up with that. And so I remember sitting in church as a six-year-old. I remember sitting in church as an eight-year-old. As a ten-year-old. And yeah, it's going to be revival meetings this weekend. So we'd go to church for revival meetings. And I'd sit there and and uh, when the altar call was given, I'd look around to see who's going to respond. And I didn't, like, yeah, that's 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 good when, when that happens. But there was no prompting in me whatsoever to, to go forward. Not at all. But then I still clearly remember when there was an altar call given one time and I sat there and I, 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 I could not figure out for the life of me if I should go forward or if I shouldn't. Like if I went forward, would that even make sense? And God was just simply coming along and starting to work with me and say, Kevin, and I think at that point I still would have been free. If I would have died at that point, I think I would have went to glory because God would have said, Kevin, I was just I was giving you that awakening that there's a Niagara Falls down there, and if you get out there too far, you're going to face endless destruction. But there was a time when I was guilty. And I sat there in the pews, and I would literally, not literally, but almost hang on to the chair because I was not going to get up and go to the front to respond. I was guilty. But there was things in my life that I did not want to let go. I did not want to let go. But God, at some point, comes along and says, you know what? It's time for this person to be drawn to myself. And he takes the lifeline, which is Jesus Christ. And at the end of the lifeline, there's this buoy. Life buoy, lifesaver, whatever you want to call it. You know what the picture is, right? The lifeline is Jesus Christ, and the life buoy is the Holy Spirit. And God comes along and just tosses that right out, because the time has come for us to be pardoned. It's his desire. He looks down with a tremendous amount of love, and he just says, I want this person to be pardoned. Satan came along and messed this whole thing up. And, and God comes along and says, but I found a way to bring them back to myself again, and that's through the 
blood of Jesus Christ. And he brings the Holy Spirit right down. The buoy lands right down beside me. Right down beside me. And I know that in order for me to be saved, I just simply need to lift up my arm and drop it into the buoy. That's what I need to do. It says, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. That is just simply surrendering to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And, and many of us in this audience know exactly what that was like. The Holy Spirit is just saying, Kevin, surrender. Kevin, surrender. And it was just constantly on my mind. I'd get up in the morning and I knew I needed to surrender. I'd go to bed at night knowing I needed to surrender. I'd get up in the morning knowing I need to surrender. I'd go to bed at night knowing I need to surrender. And it was just constantly there. Surrender, to surrender, to surrender. Give your life to Jesus Christ. I said, no, I don't want to because I've got too many attractions in my life. I had two friends in my life that I knew, I just knew that if I became a Christian, I'd have to give that up. Unless they changed their ways as well. And we were close friends. And we did things that we weren't supposed to do, but we were really close friends. And I just knew that this is not going to work. There's just no way that I can keep on this for these friendships. And I didn't want to give it up. But the time came when I realized that the only way that I can get away from this guilt feeling that is hanging over me and away from this endless destruction that was going to be there for me if I kept on going down this road was to by, by giving myself up and simply lifting up my hand and dropping it into that buoy, accepting the call of the Holy Spirit in my life. That's just simply what it means here when it says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. And we can, when we lift up our hands and drop it into that buoy, surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, we become abundantly pardoned. Everybody's story is different. I full, am fully aware of that. I have sat down with some, some young people that, that tell me that, they say, Kevin, am I actually saved? Because you have a story where you can go, I don't remember the day anymore. I did not write it on the calendar. My mom and dad probably would have written it in the calendar, but I don't, I don't remember the day I was saved, but I still remember the moment I was saved. See, I have a, I, it was just, there was a transformation took place in my life. I simply knocked on my parents' door in the middle of the night and told them that I wanted to become saved. And we sat down at the kitchen table and Dad just simply walked through the story one more time to make sure that I understood what I was doing. And then I knelt there down at the, in the kitchen table, at the kitchen floor there, and I don't remember what I prayed. It was just a short prayer, but I became abundantly pardoned. Now, there's others that will come along and say, I don't have that kind of a story. I don't know exactly when it happened in my life. I just simply know that I wanted to, there was a time in my life when I desired to, to, to be drawn closer to God. I wanted to seek him. I wanted to follow him. And I just simply, it was a journey. And I completely accept that. I completely accept that. Don't ever come along and say, well, I don't have that kind of a story, so maybe I never did become, because that's what some people struggle with. They come along and say, well, maybe I never did become pardoned, because it's just been a journey for me. My Christian experience, when I go look back over it, it was, it was a journey over, like, I, I'm convinced I, 
I'm guilt. I'm, I'm free before God. I've been pardoned. I, I'm sure that I'm pardoned because the Holy Spirit doesn't bring anything to my life that I need to make changes. I, I'm walking with Him. I'm serving Him, and I love the Lord, and I I have a desire to be faithful. But I don't have that. That's quite all right. I have no problem with that. I just come along and just say, "Are you seeking the Lord? And you have a desire to follow Him." And if you're doing that, then God will come along and he will abundantly pardon you. Now the challenge that I'd like to leave with you this evening is, if there's anyone here this evening, and it doesn't really matter if... See, what happens is when we drop our hand into that that, uh, buoy, the Holy Spirit is no longer outside of our lives. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives and it empowers us to live a life of victory. And what happens when we accept Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives, the Holy Spirit comes within us and he guides us unto all truth. And so, again in verse 6 it says, Seek ye the Lord while ye may, he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. It simply says, it's, it's giving us a window of opportunities to continue to heed the Holy Spirit's voice. And so the the call is laid on our lives to listen to God's voice and to His prompting when He speaks to us. So perchance there's someone in the audience this this evening that has never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. It behooves you to surrender your, your life to Jesus Christ now before it is too late. That's why it comes along and says in Hebrews... And in, and in Matthew as well, that we don't harden our hearts. But we accept that call when the, when the Holy Spirit is prompting, to, prompting us. And so we don't want to keep on rejecting that voice. But it's the same thing after we have become Christians as well. The Holy Spirit continues to guide us into all truth. See, we believe in progressive sanctification that we continue to grow in His likeness and become more like Him. And there's things in our lives that we need to continue to make changes and continue to grow. And what can happen is we can come along and say, no, Lord, I'm just simply going to, no, just, and we push it off, and we push it off. And we find ourselves in a dangerous situation. In order for us to be abundantly pardoned, we need to continuously listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and, and heed his calling and just say, yes, Lord, to him. And we keep pressing on and walking with him. Jeremy Taylor describes it this way. This hardening process that can take place in our lives. When the Holy Spirit speaks to us, whether it's, it's uh, surrendering our lives to Him at the very beginning of our lives, our Christian walk, or whether it's sur- surrendering our lives to Him as we continue to go through life. But he, he shares it this way. The, the downward trend of rejecting the voice of the Holy Spirit and rejecting and, and simply allowing sin in our lives. It's, he says, first it startles him, then it becomes pleasing, then delightful, then frequent, then habitual, then confirmed, then the man is impenitent, then obstinate, then resolved never to repent, and then damned. Shall I read that again? First it startles him, then it becomes pleasing, then delightful, then frequent, then habitual, then confirmed, 
Then the man is impenitent, then obstinate, then resolved never to repent, then damned. Again, going back to verses 6 and 7, it says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. There is this window of opportunity that God gives to every, each and every one of us. I don't know what that looks like. I'm not too sure exactly what that looks like. All I know is that if you are hearing the prompting of the Holy Spirit, you are still within that window of opportunity. And when God comes along and just simply speaks to you and says, just surrender, then just simply surrender. God is doing a work in every one of our lives. And he wants us to continue to grow in his likeness. He wants us to continue to walk with him and follow him faithfully and serve him in whatever area he calls us to. And so in simple words, 1 John 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The part that I just love about that verse, verse is that, and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Everything is taken away. He will abundantly pardon us. As I shared, that there, there's, there's, a, there, there's, there's sins out there that you may have said you have committed, that you may come along and say, how will God ever, ever release me from those sins? All we need to do is confess our sins, and he will completely take that away from us, and we become brand new creatures before him, and we can walk forward completely free from any guilt in our lives. James 4 verse 8 says, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. John 3 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. All we need to do is just surrender everything over to him. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. There's an individual in our community. He used to work for our company. A young man. I put him in the age of uh, 20 to 22 years old, someplace like that. He grew up in a Christian home, but he walked away from God. And he just kept getting deeper and deeper and deeper into sin. He was involved in all kinds of things. He tried making it look so good when you'd meet him up, meet up with him in town or, or meet up with him at work. You'd think that, ah, oh, he's got life under control. But he did not have life under control. He was in bondage. He was, he was caught in the depths of sin. And Satan was just wrapping this barbed wire fence around him more and more and ha- having him trapped. But just two weeks ago, just two weeks ago, he heeded the prompting of the Holy Spirit in his life. And he today is abundantly pardoned. You, I don't know his whole story. And it's still going to be a journey for him moving forward because he got himself into things that, that addictions that he got himself involved in, he's going, to have a, he's going to have a journey ahead. But when I heard that he gave his life to the Lordship of Jesus, to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, I just said, praise the Lord, because he is today abundantly pardoned. 
All the sins that he's committed before are now washed away and they're gone and he can walk forward in newness of life. And we just say, praise the Lord. That's exactly what God's desire is for his life. And it's the desire that God has for everybody on the face of this earth. So my call to you this evening, as I share with you, your call, our call, is to be a witness to the community here around about us. But the only way that you can be a powerful witness to those around about us is by being abundantly pardoned. And if you've been abundantly pardoned this evening, which I trust you have been, then simply keep thanking God for that freedom that you've been given. You're no longer guilty. You and I can stand before the judgment bar of God when God calls us to, sta- to, to, to stand there on judgment day, and we can hear those words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. But let's never ever take this for granted and and, and just simply say well it's become norm for me because that's my problem I became a Christian when I was 15 years old that is I can't even do the math right now 30 some years ago 40 some years ago and it becomes normal oh I'm excited that I'm still a Christian but it becomes normal I'm a Christian I'm a Christian. And so you walk around, I'm a Christian. It's just normal. So just, no, we should be getting up in the morning just thanking God one more time that we've been abundantly pardoned and then carry a burden to the lost souls around us that they also could have deliverance because that is God's desire for every one of us to be abundantly pardoned. I'm not too sure how to close a service on the first evening, but I'd like to just simply ask the question, to you, have you been abundantly pardoned? And if you have been, then never, ever lose the very thought and the joy of that freedom that you've been given. And if you haven't been abundantly pardoned, then I just simply beg of you to surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And this evening, I just simply like to open it up for having a, a song. If you have an a, a invitation song, I'm not one to press the point for very long, but I'd like to simply extend an invitation this evening. If you have not been abundantly pardoned, then I just simply beg of you to stand up and come to the front here and someone will, I'm not sure how you do it this, around here, but someone will come up and, and uh, take you into a room and, uh, and, and uh, lead you to freedom it, it, there, there, we can't do it for you I think um, Danny shared something that uh, I can't remember exactly how he worded it but it's God that frees us from sin he's the one that gives us that pardon but we just simply as, as the scripture says if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ we will be saved and that's all that God is calling us. I could tell you more about my story. Maybe I should just tell you that part of it. See, I resisted the Holy Spirit for a time in my life. And I knew I was guilty. And there was times I'd go to bed at night. And I'd say, Lord, I, I just, I'm going to give my life to you. I, I surrender my life to you. And I, I just wanted, I want to be free. And nothing would happen. Nothing would happen. 
But there is this one verse that would keep coming to my mind. If you confess with your mouth, Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. Kevin, it's not going to work for you just to lay in bed and say, Lord, I'm, gonna, I'm giving my life to you and I want to be saved. I'm not saying it can't work for some other people. I'm not saying that if you find yourself in a situation that if someone finds themselves, in, there, there's people that can become saved that way. I've heard stories of people that have become saved just simply by getting down beside their bed and surrendering their lives to Christ. I'm not going to refute that at all. But the step that I had to take was to make a public acknowledgement that I want to be saved. And that was getting going and talking to my parents and telling them I wanted to be saved. And so there's something about just simply getting up and coming to the front and making an outward acknowledgement that I want to be abundantly pardoned. And that's where we find our freedom. So let's have an invitation song. And if there's anyone here this evening that, that has the desire to be abundantly pardoned, then I ask you to come forward.